Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. Friends, it really is an incredible privilege and honor for me to be trusted with this platform this morning to be with the Moikluf family. It really um, feels like just an extension. Of, um, of home. So thank you for making me feel welcome. Thank you for the cappuccino this morning. Um, those of you who are new, they are good. Um, and it is an honor to be uh, preaching on your conclusion of the series um, yeah, on the Word of God this morning. I do have a picture of my family. Um, so that was a, um, that's like our newborn shoot picture. Um, so that's Ivan there in the corner and then our two earlier children, Lika and Nikki. Um, but uh, I don't have an updated family photo yet, but I've got another photo of Ivan just being a little bit older. Um, so he's now just over four months old, and I'll maybe share on that a little bit later, but this was about a six-and-a-half-year prayer journey for us. Um, so when I get to sit with him one o'clock in the morning, then I'm like, I asked for this. I prayed for this. Um, I get to be I prayed for six-and-a-half years to be awake at one o'clock in the morning. Um, and we are deeply, deeply thankful. Um, Liver quickly just um, did an overview of this series, and if you've missed any of it, please do go back and, and listen to the podcasts, as today we'll be, um, in a way, reflecting on some of what was maybe specifically shared on week one, but then building up to a conclusion, and initially, the, the topic that I was given was to share the word, uh, but I want to change it. And we're going to title it this morning to preach the word. So there's an exclamation mark. All right. Can we all say that together? But you have to exclaim the exclamation mark. So we don't say preach exclamation mark. All right. We say. Preach. Okay. So on three. So this, we're going to proclaim it. The word. All right. One, two, three. Preach the word. That's what we're going to do this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true. We thank you, Lord, that your word wants to come and reveal itself to us this morning. We thank you for the great privilege we have, Lord, of being able to open our Bibles this morning, Lord, without persecution. We thank you, Lord, that we get to be gathered together this morning as saints, Lord. We get to be in an environment where your word is openly declared, and we don't want to take that, Lord, for granted. We thank you, Lord, that the word has been persecuted, the word has died on the cross for us, the word has gone through trials and tribulations so that we could hold it into our hands this morning. And I ask that this word would also come and speak to us this morning, that your word would come and minister to us, Lord, and we want to come and submit ourselves under the authority of your word. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, whom of you remember, uh, I said a couple of years back, the whole escort Poloni thing? All right. Whom of you has since then not bought Poloni? Okay. There's stuff that has, leaves an imprint in your mind that you cannot go away from. I remember growing up, we, have, we had those Fruit Loops, the, the cereal, and I was not like in love with Fruit Loops, but I enjoyed it. And then my eldest sister one day put blue soap that you clean your clothes with that takes out anything. She put pieces of blue soap into my Fruit Loops, um, as siblings do. And um, so as I was eating Fruit Loops, I was eating maybe my mouth needed to be cleansed. But all that I could taste was this blue soap. And since that day, whenever I eat Fruit Loops, I taste blue soap. So it's been years and years and years that I have not eaten Fruit Loops. It's ruined for me. Now, in a way, I trust that these past couple of weeks, and maybe this is your first time here in this, for this series this morning, that our view of God's Word will be changed forever. That we will not be able to open our Bibles and read it and look at it the same way. That even if you walk away not obeying the Word of God, even though you walk away saying, ah, it's nice, but it's not for me, but you won't be able to look at it the same again. That our understanding of God's word, our understanding of the person of the word, the authority of the word, the agenda and the work of the word 
will never be able to be the same again. That we cannot read our Bibles and say, oh, it's nice, but not for me. I pray that. So we're going to go into um, a piece of text in Hebrews 4. Um, and from the text, I'd like to pull four truth statements. Um, now, a truth statement is something that is true objectively, whether you agree with it or not. Um, so when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it was a truth statement that Christ made about himself, whether you agree with him or not. Now, the resurrection of Christ was sort of the proof of the truth statement, all right? So there's four truth statements I want to um, pull from the scripture this morning, and that will almost lead to a conclusion that if these four things are true, we cannot but respond in a certain way. So Hebrews 4, we're going to read from verse 12 to verse 16. I do not have this text on the board because I remember in week one, um, Christian Liber told you to bring your Bible to church. Okay. Whom of you have brought your Bible Bible? Okay. Whom of you have Bibles that are falling apart a little bit? You know what they say? The man whose Bible is falling apart, his life isn't. Okay. All right, Hebrews 4 from verse 12 to 16. I'm reading from the New King James. Um, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Powerful portion of text, and um, you can go and meditate on it during the week as well. But the first thing that we read is, the word of God is living. The word is alive. In week one, Christian preached on John chapter one, which says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Later in chapter 1 in John 1, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So when we speak about the word of God being alive, it refers to the person of Christ. So this word that you and I get to read is not just letters in, on paper. It's not just a collection of stories that people have decided to pull together. It's not just something that has been spoken in the past and now we get to reflect on it in, uh, today. This is the person of God in Christ Jesus made known to us through the word. The reason why the word was pulled together, the reason why the writing of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation was preserved supernaturally was because there's a supernatural agent involved in the word of God who is Christ. The word is Christ. The word is alive. The word has a personality. The word has a character. And that sets us up whenever we go into our word to understand that we are not just dealing with commands. We are not just dealing with suggestions. We are not just dealing with principles for a better life. You can. There are people who do not believe in Jesus who hold to principles of this word and get the benefit of it because the word of God is alive. But we get to interact with the person of Christ. And the word can be known. Secondly, the, um, the writer of Hebrews says, the word is alive and powerful or active or energetic. Um, it is effective. It's not idle. The word of God might be idle on your bedside table. <laughs> you might not read it every day. But the word of God, because it is alive, is not dormant. It's not bound by this, um, whatever you call the bindings of the book. It's not bound by this. It's not bound by your bookshelf. It's not bound by a bookshop. It's not bound by any person or circumstance or situation. The Word of God is alive in Christ Jesus. The Word of God is effective and powerful. 
It is energetic, it is moving, it is working. In Genesis 1, and we need to understand that there are principles of the Word of God that exist forever. The Word of God is eternal. So in Genesis 1, we read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When we go into Genesis 1 and we understand the creation story, the, the reason or the method by which God created was, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke a word, and creation happened. Friends, that is the power, the energy, the activity of the word of God, that when the word of God is spoken, when the word of God is declared, life is able to exist where it did not exist before. Light is able to exist where there was previously only darkness. Order is able to be put into place where there was previously only chaos. Where there was depression, there could be hope. We see that the Word of God is able to bring about life, and we read about certain people like Sarah who was unable to have children, Hannah. Later, we read about Mary, which is this beautiful part where the world was not just broken, but sinful, condemned, and um, set up for eternal damnation. So that's the condition of the world. Jesus says in John 3 that I did not come to condemn the world, John 3 verse 17. But then verse 18, he says, because the world is condemned already if they do not believe in me. So the state of the world was condemned, set up for eternal damnation. But then God spoke a word, and it came alive in Mary's womb. And it gave birth to salvation for mankind. The word of God is alive. It is active. It is powerful. It is at work. There's the story where the centurion comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my son is sick. And, he's, and Jesus says, okay, where's your son? And the centurion says, no, 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 sir, I'm also a man under authority. I know that if you will only say the word, my son will be healed. And Jesus honored his faith. And at that moment, his son was healed. Because there is power when the word of God is spoken. It is alive, energetic. It is effective. Thirdly, and I want to linger here a little bit. The word has an agenda. The word has an agenda. It says the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. The word became an it, became a him. It's personal. Now the good news for you and me this morning is that yes, the word has an agenda, but it is rooted in the person of Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, if we link all of it together, God so loved the world that he gave his word. He gave his son so that man will not be um, punished and eternally condemned, but have eternal life. So the agenda of God is rooted in the saving nature of Christ. But now there are a couple of things that the writer of Hebrews is uh, revealing to us from the scripture. So it says it's a two-edged sword, so it cuts, it pierces, it penetrates, it cuts open, it exposes. It brings the vision between soul and spirit, flesh and spirit. Your soul is, uh, we used to say in youth camps, your soul is who you are, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Um, but it's part of your identity, um, part of your fleshly identity. But then your spirit is rooted deeper. You see, you can, if your spirit is not alive, then nothing about your flesh is of any profit to you. If your spirit is still dead, then your flesh can look great, but it's of no profit to you when you stand before God one day. And the Word of God is able to bring this division between fleshly, what is fleshly and what is spiritual. It's able to speak into your flesh, but it's also able to speak into your spirit, man. It's a discerner of the thoughts. There's a movie trailer that I saw um, of, I don't know the name of the movie, but basically how it works is something happened. Some supernatural force came onto the earth, and people's thoughts are known to those around them. Some of you are like, man, I wish I could bring coffee into this venue. Like, if all of your thoughts right now were to be exposed to those around you, all of your thoughts, nothing is hidden, right? It's like this guy is um, shouting at me. Can he maybe just lower the volume a little bit? Um, 
Yeah, I can't believe my wife dragged me to church this morning. Yeah, the Springboks lost. I really wanted not to. Um, I wanted to have a, like a, a sleep in and get over myself. All of your thoughts. So the Word of God is able to discern your thoughts. You see, sometimes when we have actions, they are visible, not just to ourselves, but to those around us. And it's almost easier to reflect on our actions and say, Yo, Lord, I missed you there, or I missed you there. But your actions are a product of your thoughts. We think something before we enact it. Sometimes we, do, we say we, we, we do stuff or say stuff, but without thinking. No, there's an internal engine running, and it's processing, and then there's action released from it. The Word of God is able to intercede your action and speak to your thoughts. Friends, that is good news. That you do not have to only realize after you've done something, oh, Lord, how did I get here? Now, the Word of God will tell you exactly how you got there. It can take you back into your thought process. This is what you believed about yourself or about someone else. Therefore, it formed a conclusion in your mind that then brought about a judgment that you acted upon. The Word of God is able to discern your thoughts and speak into them. Then it goes deeper and it says, the intentions of our heart. The intentions of our heart. You see, we can do good things with bad intentions. You might just maybe got a new business deal, and you're like, man, um, Philip's not here this morning, so we'll pick on him. Um, hello, Philip. <laughs> if he's listening to the podcast, yeah, okay. And then you're like, man, if I bring a tithe of this business deal into the church, um, Philip will say, man, that guy's really a man of faith. That guy's really someone who honors God. That guy is a man who really loves Jesus with all that he has. So I bring my offering, but not with the motive of honoring God, with the motive of pleasing man. And everyone around might say, man, guys, you know this new thing that we were able to put into the church? Oh, we just want to really want to celebrate person X. Thank you for your faithfulness and your love for Jesus and your commitment to the kingdom of God. And everybody says, woohoo, well done, you're really a great Christian. Um, but God says, is that about you or about me? Because the word of God is able to get into our motives. It's able to speak into the intentions of your heart. It goes deep. The heart is where everything is. Life comes from the heart. What the heart is full of, the mouth will overflow with. And then it says this. And this is maybe a scary part. There is no creature hidden from his sight. Many of you are in connect groups and you can choose what you declare known to your connect group leader or your LG. Or some, someone might ask you a direct question, hey, how's it going with your purity? You can choose what you want to make known or not, not to God. You can sit here this morning and you're in church and you've ticked a box. It's like, God, I could have been somewhere else, but I'm in church. But God knows what's happening in your private life. There is nothing hidden from his sight. When you and I open up our word, we open up ourselves to truth. It's the eyes of the Lord that searches to and fro into the depths of your soul, into the innermost being of your heart. David says, Lord, search me, even the hidden things in my heart, because God knows it all. He knows things in us that we don't even know ourselves, but he wants to bring them to the surface. When you and I open up our Bibles, we are opened up. Nothing is hidden from his sight. There's a reason why the devil doesn't want you to open up your Bible. Sometimes we have this space where I don't really know what to read, so then because I don't know what to read, I rather don't want to read. Just open your Bible and read something because the Word of God is alive and active and effective. And when you are reading the Word of God, you are in a sense preaching the Word to yourself. It will have an effect on your soul. Are you discouraged this morning? Preach the word to yourself. Are you downcast? Open your Bible and start reading. It doesn't have to make sense to you right away. The word of God is truth. Whether your mind understands it yet or not, whether you believe every part of it yet or not, it doesn't matter. The word of God is alive. And as you bring yourself into the word of God, it will have a living effect in your life. That's good news. And we will give account. That's scary. 
one of the main reasons why people don't want to believe in Jesus is not so much the evidence, that there's a lack of evidence. There's actually quite a lot of evidence. It's because we don't want to be accountable. If there is no God, then you and I won't stand accountable before him one day and give an account of every thought <laughs> and intention of our hearts. God is not just judging our actions. Hey, your good is outweighing your bad. No, he judges your thoughts and your intentions to whom we will give account. So the word of God comes in and it cuts away. The two-edged sword wants to come into our lives and there are certain parts of it that it wants to cut away. Now friends, again, coming back to the word of God being the person of Christ. There is a, an agenda that Jesus has with your life that you will be freed from sin. You can be born again but not live in victory. You can be born again but still struggle with all of the fruits of your past life. And Jesus wants to set you up for freedom, for freedom's sake, for eternity's sake. He wants to bring about holiness in our lives. And he wants to cut away impurities, thinking of it as a cancer. If any of you, I've never had cancer or had a close family member have cancer. Oh, actually, I do. I lost my um, uncle a couple of weeks back due to cancer. I'm thankful that the suffering is over. But if we had the option to cut away cancer, how much of the cancer would you want to cut away? Or do we want to leave traces of it behind so that it can grow again? Jesus has an agenda for your life that you will be free from sin. There's parts of our lives that he needs to cut away. Not to judge you. Not to harm you. To save you. There's parts of our lives that the Word of God needs to penetrate in, break open, expose, so that what is inside can come out. Some of the stuff that we've gone through in the past, whether it was our fault or from um, other people's working against us, there are things that we suppress that the Word of God needs to cut into so that what is inside can come out, not to shame you, not to bring about a guilt over your life, but to heal you. The Word of God wants to go deep. The Word of God wants to come and do a powerful work inside of us. Now all of this, almost like up to point uh, verse 13, knowing that one day you will stand before God and you will give an account for your life. Friends, there should be an element of the fear of God in our hearts. Yes, God is a good Father. He's loving, He's merciful, but He's a consuming fire. And sin cannot stand in the presence of a consuming fire. And one day, you and I, our lives will be thrown open before him to whom we must give account. There is no creature that is exempt from that. There is no creature that is exempt from dying and standing before God and giving account. And there should be the fear of God. But now the enemy maybe wants you to feel condemned and have to be afraid of God. There's a difference between being um, afraid of God and having a reverent fear of God. Verse 14, um, and this is the point number four, the word makes a way. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession the confession, that which we profess to be true about Jesus, that, that which we profess to be true about the working of Christ, that which we profess to be true about His Word, about God's standard for righteousness, light and darkness, that which we profess about our King. Let us hold fast our confession because we have a high priest who has gone through for us. The Word, Christ, has made a way for us to beware, for to be where, not to beware, to be where, question mark. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to this. The word of God makes a way for you to be where? Let us therefore come boldly, without reservation, to the throne of grace. Friends, with our condition of sin, with stuff in our lives that still needs to be cut away, 
The word of God has gone before us, made a way so that you and I can enter in and be seated or kneel before the throne of grace. And it gives us an important promise there that you will obtain mercy, which deals with your past, and receive grace, which empowers you for your future in the time of need. Are you in a place of need? Is there an element of your life where you need the word of God? person of Christ to be alive in certain areas of your life. Christian prayed for some broken family relationships. You have access to the throne of grace because the word of God has made a way. It has gone before you. It has done what you couldn't do on your, by yourself. The word of God was nailed to the cross for your sake and mine. The word of Christ rose from the grave ascended into heaven and is seated in the heavenly places. And through the word of God, you and I have access to that same position. The word of God gives us access. So the four truth statements, the word is alive in the person of Christ. The word is active, effective, energetic, powerful. The word has an agenda. Again, the agenda is linked to the person of Christ who died on the cross for us. And the word has made a way for us to come boldly to the throne of grace, to receive mercy from God, whose mercies are new every morning. Praise him for that. doesn't matter what happened yesterday. I have access through the word of God to receive mercy for what has happened in the past. But now I also have the access to receive grace, which is God's ability his supernatural ability in my life for me to accomplish the things that God has called me to do. Not in my own strength, but by his power. There is sufficiency of grace for all things. If these things are true, the conclusion is we preach the word. If this book really is the story of Christ, if this word is truly the written word of a living God, Friends, you and I, there's only one logical conclusion. We preach the word. Paul writes to Timothy. Um, in the second book of Timothy, he says, I charge you therefore, Timothy, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead again, to whom we will give account at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. The word um, word, there is the same one that Christian spoke about in John 1. The word became flesh. In the beginning was the word. Preach the word. That whole ultimate meaning of life that you guys spoke about in week one. Preach the ultimate meaning of life, the ultimate purpose of all life. Be ready in season and out of season. The word of God is always ready to be preached because the word of God is alive and it is the person of Christ and Christ is not influenced by circumstances. Christ is not influenced by the economy. Christ is not influenced by your opinion or the opinion of those of others. Therefore, the word of God is always ready to be preached and when you and I align ourselves with the word of God, be ready in and out of season to preach the word. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. That word preach that Paul uses is the word caruso. It means to proclaim, to be a herald of good news. Friends, if Christ is truly risen, if Christ is truly alive, then we have the ability to proclaim, to be a herald, to be a bringer of good news to those who need it. I got a message now um, on Thursday. I went for a coffee with a friend, and as we were walking to our cars, uh, there was a guy approaching us, you know the typical scenario. Um, he didn't want money, he wants food. Um, so we, um, I, I had a Woolies gift voucher still. I'm like, okay, I can give you this. I don't know how much is on it. Um, but then the, the, the normal story, um, I'm on drugs and I really wanna get free. And I mean, how many of you have heard that story before? Okay. So um, 
hear the whole story, and I'm listening with a pinch of salt uh, because I've heard the story many times, but I knew that there was an opportunity to preach the word. Um, and not necessarily the whole thing of, well, you've got to turn away from your, your addiction, otherwise you will die and burn in hell. I've never been addicted to drugs, but I know people who have, and I know it's not as straightforward as just walking away tomorrow morning, but by the power of God. Um, but there was an opportunity to preach the word um, and to make that promise again that whomsoever would call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Maybe, maybe you are saved eternally, but there's still an area of your life where you are in bondage to sin. You still get to call upon the name of Jesus. You still get to call upon the word of life. And then he says, whoever calls on him will be saved. So we had an opportunity to preach the word, um, invited him to church. Um, and I got a message now from the guy saying, he's in church. Matthew came to church this morning. Praise God. May he continue to respond to the preaching of the word. I want to share a little bit as I conclude, and um, Via, where is she? Rapture. Here she comes. Okay. As we draw to a conclusion, when we think about this whole aspect of preaching the word, there's a part of it that needs to happen to ourselves. Friends, that you have the ability to preach the word of God to yourself. And you should, because there's elements of doubt and unbelief in our own hearts that needs to be awakened again, where the word of faith needs to be near our hearts and our mouths. There's areas where there might be disappointment, discouragement, hopelessness, even depression, suicidal thoughts, but the word of God is able to go into dark places and shine light, to go into areas that are dead and bring about life. I mentioned earlier, and you can maybe go to the picture of Ivan. So that was a six and a half year journey for us. Um, and there were places where we, we had to decide whether we're going to pursue having children of our own longer or not. Because if God says no, well, how do I change God's mind? <laughs> um, and obviously there's a great need for adoption as well. And my wife and I, we were open to that. But we said, Lord, if, if it's not your will for us to have children of our own, we'll, we'll embrace it. We'll accept it. But you need to say it. It cannot just be something that we feel in our hearts because that won't sustain me. There'll be times where if God says, if, if, if it's not God saying it, and I need to encourage myself over and over again, friends, I don't have the ability or the capacity to speak life into my own body. The discouragement and the pain and the disappointment is too real. God, if you say it, then I can rest on it. So if it's not your will, then you say it. But then God spoke to us through scripture, through his word, many different scriptures, prophetic um, affirmations that we will have children of our own. And it was about maybe three years before Evan was born um, where we got that word and God said, no, you will have children of your own. And we now needed to stand on this word. And I remember speaking to, to my wife about this and she said, um, not if, but when. Not if we have children, but when we have children. Because, and this was simply the thing for her. She said, because God has spoken. God has said we will have children, so that settled it for her. For me, I'm a very rational person. She's also rational, but she maybe she just has more faith. Um, I was like, Lord, but if I now go from a position of doubt into a position of belief, there's no back door. Because I, here it's safe for me and for God. No, we are trusting God for children, but if he doesn't do it, I'll still love him and he's got a great plan. But it's almost like protecting my own heart from being disappointed. But this is an, a place of doubt. And he who doubts is double-minded and should not expect anything from the Lord. The most difficult thing in this journey for me was to move from this position to here to say, Lord, I'm going to choose to believe your word. I'm going to choose to believe that what you have spoken is true and close the back door. And then it changed my words, my language from not if but when. You see, there's a word that is given. The word of Christ has been given unto the world. The word of, God, of Christ has been sown into the nations. But that word needs to be received. That word needs to be received into our hearts for it to become alive in us. 
and then it is believed and acted upon. There's a place where we need to declare and preach the word of God into our own lives and into our own circumstances. There's a place where we preach the word of God into the circumstances around us. When I say the word ESCOM, <laughs> certain things come to your heart. We, um, I woke up this morning and we were supposed to have load shedding from 6 to 10 and the power was on. I'm like, that's amazing. That was amazing. There's a place where our words betray what's in our hearts. The way we speak about our nation. The way we speak about the condition of the world. The way we speak about our neighbor. What is in your heart will overflow into your mouth. And church, this is the challenge. There is nothing hidden from God's sight. And when pressure comes, what is inside of you will come out. And if the word of God is not alive in your belly, then the word of God will not come forth from your mouth. Other things will come forth. The way we speak, the way we think, makes it a bit more real. I'm not saying bad things about my neighbor, but man, the thoughts in my mind. <laughs> and God judges the intentions and the thoughts of our hearts. And then the lost. In, in our, the prayer before church, um, Jacob Pitzer went to the same scripture in Romans 10. And this is actually, it settles it actually quite clearly. He makes the promise, Paul, and he says that whomsoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a massive statement of hope right there. Doesn't matter your circumstances. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you believe about yourself. Whoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That is a great, great statement of hope. But then he says, but how can they call on him in whom they do not believe? And how can they believe in him of who they do not, have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That same word preacher that is used in 2 Timothy. One who proclaims, who declares the good news of Christ. Friends, there is a world out there that is lost and dying. Ephesians, um, in, in Paul writes in Ephesians, says that people are without God and without hope in this world. And they cannot call on Him whom they do not believe in. They cannot believe in Him if they do not know Him. They cannot know Him if no one tells them about Him. Blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. That's the invitation for us as a church, that we will be bringers of good news to those who need to hear it. I want us to take a moment and just reflect on our own lives and then I'll call us into a response. And I'm, I'm not gonna ask you to close your eyes. We, we sang that song, um, Here I am, Lord, send me. Um, and it's, it's easy to say yes to God, like Christian said, hypothetically. We're here, we're in church. Maybe there's an atmosphere of faith in your hearts because you are in the midst of your faith community. It builds us up. And then we say things and we make quick promises to God and say, yes, Lord, send me. And then tomorrow morning when you're back at work, you're like, ugh. <laughs> Friends, you will battle to see the victory of Christ in your life if you are only doing it out of religious practice. You will not have victory over sin in your life if Christianity is just part of your culture. Something that you've grown up in and now you do it because it's the right thing to do. You will not see God the way that He intends you to see Him if this is not real for you. And it cannot be real for you unless the Word of Christ has been made alive in your heart. It has been spoken, but you need to receive it so that it can come alive inside of you. And before we have a response moment just as a church, I want to make sure that we have an opportunity for some of you this morning who say, I'm a bit there. I'm doing Christian things, but I can't really testify that the word of Christ has been made alive inside of me. Because what is inside of you, what has been made alive inside of you will come forth from your mouth. And if that's you, I want you just to raise your hand. We're not going to ask you to close your eyes. might be a little bit 
vulnerable for you in this moment, but it's okay. Because it's in these moments, thank you for that hand. It's in these moments where everything about your life is exposed before the eyes to whom there is nothing hidden. So Christ sees deep inside of your thoughts and your intentions. He sees what is alive and what is not. And he's giving you an opportunity this morning to say, Jesus, I don't just want to play church or play Christianity. I need you to come alive inside of me. I need the word of God to come alive inside of me. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Friends, this is not a shameful thing. (laughs) It's not a shameful thing. It's you just giving opportunity to God to come and do what only He can do. Anyone else before we pray? Thank you. Let's close our eyes. Father, I thank you that we can publicly come and acknowledge where we need you to make us alive. I'm going to ask those who raised your hands just to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask the rest of the church just to pray it alongside them as a way of encouragement. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning I receive you into my life. I ask you to take root in my heart. I give you permission this morning to take all of my life, to come alive inside of me. I choose you this morning as my Lord, my Savior. And I give you full ownership. Cut away what needs to be cut away. Bring into the light what needs to be brought into the light. Heal, restore, commission. I give all of myself for all of you. Father, I pray that as we pray this prayer, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come and affirm the word of Christ in people's hearts. Holy Spirit, that you will make alive what has maybe been dormant for so long, that you will come and breathe your life into your people. Thank you, Lord, for the simplicity of that invitation that whomsoever would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus, this morning we can call on your name. And you are faithful. You are faithful to do what you have promised in your word. You are not a man that you should lie. You cannot go against your own word. And I thank you, Lord, for that conviction that you establish in our hearts. As a a final response, I'm going to ask Via to sing part of the, the Send Me song. And... I don't want you to respond lightly, friends. When I think too often we respond lightly to God, not thinking that He's going to hold us accountable to the things that we say to Him. When you are responding in your heart to say, Yes, Lord, I'm willing to go. Maybe it's not to the ends of the earth, maybe it is. But maybe you know God is sending you to proclaim His word to your neighbor. There are people in your neighborhood who are contemplating suicide. How can they call on the one who is able to give hope if they do not know who to call upon? There are people at your workplaces whose marriages are falling apart. We have a great restorer of relationships. How can they call on him if there's no one to proclaim the good news of Jesus? It will cost of us something. It'll cost of us of our pride. It'll cost of us of our arrogance. It'll cost of us of our selfishness. But if this word of God is alive in you, If you have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord and your life has a testimony of what God has done, then witnessing is an overflow. It's easy for us to speak about how negative we feel about the rugby yesterday for those of us who watch rugby because it's alive inside of us. (laughs) We're passionate. Any All Black supporters in here because we have a baptism pool. Okay. It's easy for us to speak about things we are passionate about. Friends, is there a passion of Christ alive in your heart? Because then when you are confronted with darkness, when you are confronted with hopelessness, witnessing will pour forth 
from your mouth because you have tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. And if you're here this morning is saying, yes, Lord, send me wherever. If it starts with my neighbor and it leads into the nations, okay. It might be scary, but the one who called you is faithful unto the end. The one who calls you is faithful unto the end. He will preserve your life unto the end. But if you know you need to respond to God this morning, say, here I am, Lord, send me. While we are singing, I want you to stand. Don't stand if you're not serious because God will keep you accountable. I hope that makes sense. When you stand and you say, Lord, here I am, send me. You are making yourself available for God's mission in a specific way. Then pitch for duty because the commander in chief will hold you accountable to do what you promise. I'm gonna give us some time and then as you feel led, and if you feel this is you, I want you to stand. For the one who gave his life, nothing is a sacrifice. Use me how you want to, God. Have you through? and give ourselves to you. Lord, I'm reminded of the disciples when they were commanded not to preach the word and they came together and they prayed and said, Lord, hear these threats. And as we respond this morning, Lord, we know that our yes today will be tested. The extent to which we are willing to say yes to you will be tested. And with that, Lord, Lord, there are threats on the outside, things we need to say yes to, things we need to step into, and there will be threats from the outside, natural, spiritual. And Lord, then there's threats on the inside of ourselves, 
doubt, fear. We ask, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us up? Holy Spirit, you've been given unto us as a seal and a guarantee that we are children of God. But Holy Spirit, you've also been given unto us for the sake of the mission. I praise you this morning, Holy Spirit, that we do not need to rely on our own strength, that we need not rely on our own understanding, that we can move with the Spirit of God. And we ask, just where you are standing, say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Fill us up, Lord. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of the world. Here we are, Lord. Send us. Father, I pray for a great move of your Spirit over this church, Lord, over every single person that is standing. I thank you, Lord, that the, that the, the gifts of the Spirit will be made manifest in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you will grace them to walk out that which they are saying yes to today. You know what it is. I pray in this week, Lord, that you will train their ears to hear what you are saying and give them willing hearts, Lord, that will obey you. Teach us, Holy Spirit, to walk with you. Teach us to be sensitive to what you are saying and what you are doing. Friends, the Holy Spirit is committed to the mission and he has given us the gifts of the Spirit that are for our use for the sake of the mission that belong to the Spirit of God who has been given to us freely and in him we have access to the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit for the sake of the mission. We ask Holy Spirit, would you come and work powerfully in us and through us and help us to see what you are busy doing. I pray for release of the gifts, Holy Spirit. Words of knowledge, words of, um, of prophecy, healings, languages. Thank you, Lord, that language is not a barrier for us to reach the nations because we have the God of languages that's residing and abiding in us. I pray for a supernatural boldness to come upon us to say yes and to keep saying yes. Jesus, we proclaim this morning that you are alive, you live, and you are so worth our lives. That concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Hey.